Kelly Cruel covers both the Braves and the Hawks, where, of course, our guys, Ian Anderson and Kevin Herter, are doing big things on the biggest stage possible. Bally sports reporter Kelly Cruel is with us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time. It's it's good to see you, and, and I can't wait to get the perspective of somebody who's around our two locals as, as much as you are. First off, how are you? Yeah, doing great. Staying really busy as naturally the NBA and now MLB are overlapping and I'm getting to see Kevin one day and then the next day it's Ian Anderson. So I'm really glad you had me on here to talk about them and I'm, I'm thrilled I can do this because it's a lot of fun to uh, get to interact with both of them and, and the area should be very proud of what they're doing in Atlanta. Yeah, there's no doubt the Capital Region is. Uh, let's start with the Hawks because they're in playoff positioning and I grew up a diehard Braves fan. I still am. Let's push Atlanta towards over the 500 mark. That would be nice. Uh, but let's let's start with the Hawks here and what Kevin's doing. Back from injury, shoulder sprain. Uh, can you give us a sense of maybe just how serious that was? I only know he missed a couple of games, but you spoke with him recently. How's he feeling? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and up to that point, Kevin had been the most reliable player they had had. He had started every single game. Well, not started every single game, but he had been playing in every single game up to that point. And I, I should mention that, you know, when I say starting, Kevin's been um, – you know, the hybrid for them. If, if he needed to start, he did. If they needed him to come off of the bench, he did. And he's been doing that and he's been consistent in what he's brought to the floor really night in and night out. So that shoulder sprain, when he went and grabbed that, mm. I, I think Fox fans were thinking, uh, well, I know that we're thinking, oh my gosh, another one because injuries, unfortunately, has been the headline for that team all season long. And that's what Kevin talked about after missing a couple games. He's back. He felt good. He felt healthy. He didn't feel like the range of motion was um, altered in any sort of way. And that um, at this point, he's the minutes restrictions have been lifted and they'll be able to uh, use him uh, however they need to. And again, he's just been such a consistent factor for them. And you love seeing what he's doing, especially when he gets an opportunity from behind the arc to really have a moment, spot up and knock him down because he's knocked down some big big uh, triples for them and, and moments where they desperately needed them. And I think he, for a guy who's been here with this organization now for a few years, he, he even said, the message right now is different than it has been in years past. In years past, it was, okay, guys, it's finish the season strong and have some momentum going into next season. And now it's not, let's finish the season strong with next season in mind it's this season and playoffs in a place that they haven't been to in quite some time and and you can see he's taking a lot of pride in that as he should he's been a big part of it I know Kevin greatly respects Lloyd Pierce and 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 we've talked to him here up in Albany as well um sometimes just a change of voice seems to do something to a team not to say that this team wasn't good and obviously they've had injuries all year long what is it, though, about what Nate McMillan maybe has brought through his prior experiences as a head coach in this league that has really benefited this group? That's really what it is. Um, it, it's the resume of, of a coach who's been around a long time and done this and taken teams to the playoffs before. And, and like you said, sometimes it's just a different voice, basically reiterating the same message but in a slightly different way and these guys have really responded to it and really responded to Nate McMillan and uh, you could see the body language change right away but I also think it needs to be noted that they did get healthy within a game or two of of Lloyd Pierce 
you know, being removed and Nate being moved into that interim head coach position. Um, they, they got Bogdan Bogdanovich back and he's, what he does for that starting lineup and the way he and even Kevin can play off of one another, you know, because for a while there, Kevin was having to kind of run the point alongside Trey when he was down. And so, again, they have asked Kevin to do so many different things this year, and he really um, has has excelled in every which way. And I think we've seen him take that next step and his growth and in his career and to have a guy like Nate McMillan coaching him up. And I think another thing that I've watched Nate do that I think has been really interesting is just kind of the sets he's added in for certain guys and very little has been altered because in the middle of the season, especially with such little practice, uh, you can't do a whole lot, but he has added a few sets here and there. And I think we've seen some of the minutes and rotate rotations change slightly. And I'm also noticing when the timeouts are called, how these guys react and at what point in the game they're being called, what that means as far as momentum, stopping the bleeding, turning things around. And so I think guys, especially like Kevin, who are still very early on in their career are realizing, okay, you know, these are some of the things I need to be aware of. We need to be aware of as a team and um, just little things like that can make such a huge difference. You talked a little bit there about Kevin's growth and maybe confidence. Uh, We saw that when he was at Maryland, his freshman year, he, he really deferred. There were more ball dominant guys on that team by sophomore year. And Kev told us, you know, that Mark Turgeon came to and said, I need you to be an aggressive scorer. Um, what have you noticed about whether may, maybe he has said something or somebody around him has said it um, or just his body language in general that has maybe changed this year about him? Yeah, it's funny. Poor Kevin must have been told that his whole career, I'm guessing, <laughs> because that's exactly what he's being told now, even at this level, is when you step in the game for a while, you know, he was starting for a while last year. This no. year, had they had Bogdan Bogdanovich healthy and all these things, he would have been coming off the bench, likely, and did for a while. Then he needed to be in the starting lineup again. And I think that, in a way, without even knowing it, changes a guy's mindset a little bit. When you're coming off the bench, you're coming off the bench for instant offense and being aggressive has to be part of that. When you're a starter, you can kind of get a feel for the flow of the game. Like we see some of the best players in the league, right? Get a flow for it and then all of a sudden they're going off in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, because they've got it. Kevin's still learning that a little bit and you can tell, but being aggressive at any point, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, I think is something he is now very cognizant of. And you see him trying to work his way into the offense early, whether that is with the starting lineup or coming off the bench. And so he's still hearing it and he is taking those steps though. You can see it like he, you know, he gets the ball and you see him right away, drive to the rack, drive to the hole. And and I think that's his way of being like, okay, this is me starting my own engine and I can do this. I can create offense, even with the best players in the world. Like I have a place here. And so I think he's kind of figured that out now in this year a little bit. Our last thing on Kev, can you settle this for us? Uh, is there an official? Is there an official nickname? Is he Red Velvet to the team? He has said when he plays well, it's Kevon instead of Kevin. What are we calling him? Yeah, that you know that is the hardest part about not getting to be around the team in huddles right now and in practices because we're still doing the Zoom COVID um, way of, of, of reporting right now. But I wish I could put an end to that <laughs> argument. All I know is that we use Red Velvet a lot. And so okay. the best part, one thing I do wanna just um, praise Kevin a little bit 
about is, so we get Vince Carter on our broadcasts um, with Hawks and Vince naturally played with Kevin. Kevin's one of his absolute favorites. You can tell just by the way he speaks about him. Uh, I, my understanding is they still go golf together a little bit when, when they can. Um, and even Ian Anderson came along for one of those um, golf outings, which is a funny story um, that apparently goes like, Ian wasn't told Vince was going to be part of this group and he shows up and Ian's like, dude, man, that's Vince Carter. And he's like, yeah, that's my, you know, that's my teammate, which I love that about these two, because you think about it, there's somebody that's a everyday text for Ian Anderson right now that Kevin Herter's thinking, man, right. you're texting with Freddie Freeman. Right. Like, so cool. Meanwhile, you know, Ian's over here like, that's Vince Carter. We're golfing with Vince Carter today. And he just saw me be awful. Apparently, Ian didn't have a great round. But all that to say, I've heard Vince Carter use my man Red Velvet. So if that puts anything to rest, I'd say BC calls him Red Velvet, but also probably Kev and whatever the Kevon is. So. Yeah, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I'll, I'll take his word for it. <laughs> right. That works for me, too. Yeah. Um, all right. On on the Braves side of things, yeah. uh, and I mentioned to you, I, I grew up a diehard Braves fan. I still am. Tom Glavin was my guy. That's how I got hooked in on, on Atlanta. So when Anderson gets drafted by the Braves, we were there as a TV station to cover the draft in New yeah. Jersey. And the buzz started building that day. Hey, I think the Braves are going to take him at three. You got to be kidding me. There's no, and it just worked out that way, which was very cool. And so now, of course, you've got a bunch of Braves fans in the 518. Um, what is it about Ian's makeup that makes you think this guy's going to be able to stick around in the majors for a long time? Because it's still only 12, 13 career starts in the regular season. Yeah. And I want to go back because I want to hear more of your story about that draft day, because also then I think it's so interesting to me how that happened for him. And then it's a few years later that Kevin is sitting around thinking I could end up in Atlanta. And I want to know if you were there for that, too, because that night had to have been something just remarkable for for the families that that follow one another and, and are part of the same cheering blocks for each of these guys. But when you ask about makeup with Ian, it's there are so many things that I would I would point to to say this is why he'll stick around. But uh, first and foremost, his competitive drive and his ability to be poised and find composure in big moments as young as he is, because he doesn't really have that experience to lean back on. And what that says to me, and I think others who probably have followed, you know, sports for a long time is that when young athletes in the biggest moments of their career can find composure, can find a way to be poised, even when things aren't going well, like Anderson pitching last year in the, in the NLCS prior to that, the NLDS, these are moments that the team hadn't even been through in a while, much less in Anderson, who's being asked to pinch, pitch against the best at that point. And he went out there and, and really um, you wouldn't have known it was different from just a, an April start for him early in the year. And um, all of that to go along with just the, the, the character that, that he has, I, we've gotten to speak numerous times and I just always enjoy my conversations because he's very low key, but low key funny. And um, he doesn't mind being authentic and genuine, which is also kind of hard, I think, for young guys early on their career because they are still finding themselves and they're still finding out where they fit 
with a team that has superstars like mm. the Freddie Freemans and uh, Ronald Acuna Juniors and the Dansby Swansons who've been doing this for a few years. And Ian has to play that or walk that fine line of, I know, I know I can be a star, but I, I, I still have to, I have to earn that and I have to earn my place here. And he, he's done that very seamlessly. And I know he is certainly um, one of the favorites down here for the media, just because he's, he's always, he always makes himself available first of all. Um, and, and he's remained incredibly humble despite a pretty quick rise to the top. Sometimes you just want to give them one of these, like, are you, are you alive? Both of these guys, Anderson and Herder. And yeah, it's remarkable. And, and it was funny. Again, I got to do this really fun conversation with having both of them on a zoom call and having them go back and forth and let's talk about their high school years and, and, and this and that. But it was, it was Kevin who kind of looked at Ian and was like, man, and you've you've played in these big games and you're, you know, like selling on this huge stage. And right away, Ian stops him and was like, man, you're right there too. You're right. It was like, Kevin was almost, um, I don't want to say downgrading what he had done, but almost like looking at Ian as you've done so much more than me at this point. And, and Ian was really quick to say, eh, pump the brakes. You're right there with a playoff team this year. It just so happened that last year with me, you know, our team was already there at that stage. And, and I, I, I just think it is really such an awesome story and, and the way that they um, cheer one another on, yeah. um, continue to support each other, continue to stay in touch. So during COVID, I, I might have mentioned this, but during um, all that was going on last season, obviously no fans in the stands. So Ian makes his major league debut in Atlanta and family can't be there like normal right. and all this stuff. But the Braves went out of their way and in a safe way to make sure Kevin Herter was there. And he got to be in a suite and be there for Ian on the biggest day of his career to this point, if you think about it. Now, granted, it's been awesome now in this year to see Ian go back to Yankee Stadium and have Grandma Bev in the stands and the whole family there. I just loved it. But at the same time, there Kevin is across the way playing in the garden against the Knicks. And I'm thinking, these poor guys, usually Kevin's family would have been at the, the Yankee right. They got to split. The families have to split root on their own voice, but yet there they are just whatever that is, 10 miles apart, the stadiums and the arena and the stadium. And I think just how cool, how, how um, unique and special. And it really is um, a wonderful story. And, and two, two young athletes still early in their careers that you can't help but root for. Yeah. Now Bob Anderson's on TV crying. Karen has to take over the interview <laughs> for him. <laughs> that, that interview, the one thing I was told before that interview by Ian, nonetheless, my mom, does not want to talk to you. Okay. Like not that she doesn't want to like speak to you beforehand in this. Yep. She just didn't want to be on camera speaking. And I was like, Hey, I totally understand. I get that. I've done a lot of family interviews. I know there's usually one parent or whatever. I think about my own parents in that situation. And my dad would not be the one talking. Mom <laughs> would take over. Right. But, but so Bob was supposed to be the one. And I, you know, it's great, Bob, here's what I'm going to ask you ahead of time. And then we got going and I could see it right away. And for me, the moment I see dad, and I know dad's not probably as well as you do, but I know dad's history of how long he's coached and coaching yeah. his son and how many teams he's taken to state titles. And so you know how much he's invested in the game and certainly his own son. And, and watching this moment, I knew it was going to choke him up a little bit. But I thought 
he's got a like kind of tough rough side to him too though i thought he would hold it together and when he started losing it i knew i was losing it and then i knew i wasn't supposed to turn to mom and there bob is like let her take over and i was like i don't think i'm supposed to do that bob I, but right away karen was kind of like i mean she could feel the moment and, and she kind of leaned into me giving me that acknowledgement of i you know i can do this like i can help us through this and um I just, I feel grateful that I get to do things with families like that in moments like that and share it because that's, I'm sure for you too, that's the best part of this job. It was so cool to see. Yeah, so cool to see. And you're right. I mean, the herders flew to Texas with the Andersons last year for the yep. playoffs. It, what Kevin and Ian told you is spot on that they are attached at the hip, really cheering each other on. It's a very, very cool thing to see. It is. It is. And 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 nowadays with uh, social media, too, I love when one's tweeting out of the other part and this one's tweeting out how he's like, like I mean, the funny part, the funny parts about that, that interview were, were like going back to high school. I jokingly just wanted to know, you know, what was, hey, Ian, what was what was Kevin Herter's batting stance like? What did he look like when he was hitting? And the way they'd like play off one another. But then before they were done sort of ragging on each other, they totally bring it back to, but this is how awesome of an athlete and person and human being. And now what he's doing on his own stage and they, they would pay off, you know, after giving each other a little bit of a jab or two. But I, I think my favorite story from that had something to do with like a ninth grade tournament baseball tournament that they were in of course they traveled together aau ball and or baseball and they were in some tournament and this i'm pretty sure this was like eighth or ninth grade and um they lost in the beginning and went into sort of this loser's bracket and then of course you have to go all the way through and you might at the end be able to play against again the winner's bracket and they, they go through and have to win i think they said something like three baseball games in a day or something like this. And they end up winning, of course, all of them yeah. get to the end. And I guess they bumped into this team they're playing and this team they're playing is like, ah, we got no, nobody left, no starters left. And I guess they were like, yeah, neither do we, neither do we. And at that point they had been holding on to Ian, but Ian wasn't really at that point. Uh, this must've been ninth grade because he was not yeah. yet one of their like starters quite yet. But I think they all saw and knew just how good he could be even at that age. So they hadn't used him and they decided to use him in this game. And then they go through and end up winning the entire tournament. And it, all because of like Ian and Kevin was like, our poker faces were so good <laughs> in eighth grade. We had them fooled. And I was like, you guys are hysterical. I mean, they really are. And they, and they just... I, I I have such a good time talking to both of them. And I just, um, you know, you really do. You, you root for them and you hope that both of them can stay healthy and continue on really, really successful careers and enjoy watching one another grow. And I'll let you go on this. Ian has told stories about how they used to hustle the other out-of-town baseball teams at the hotel with a basketball court. Like, yeah, we're not that good. Meanwhile, Herder's just lighting everybody up. Of course, that yeah. sounds about right. I got I to gotta get on some of those stories. I want to hear those too. But yeah, I mean, it just, um, how how tough to be so good at so I many know. sports, right? I know. It's awful, and I understand pretty darn good um, students as well back in that day. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot to balance. And you can tell um, all of those things that they were doing even then. They, they're, they're still same guys, just a little more grown up. It was, I think it was Kevin who said something like, I, I might've asked like, so what, you know, what was it that you guys did when you weren't playing sports? And he was like, well, we weren't really invited to parties and <laughs> We just hung out with each other. And he brought up Ian's twin brother, right? Yeah. And he was like, 
to this day, my mom needs them side by side because she's not even sure sometimes. It's remarkable how much they still look alike. And if they call, apparently if they call on the phone, their voices sound exactly alike. So so <laughs> Kevin's like, I can tell, but even the closest to family members still have a hard time sometimes. He goes, but we had our own little group in high school and clearly it's worked out for him. <laughs> That's funny. And we should show Ben, Ian's twin brothers some love in the Rangers organization. Think about yeah. it now, you got three who are pros and, you know, Ben certainly is is as talented as as the rest of them for sure. Uh, Kelly, thank you so much for the time. This has been a lot of fun and yes. it's great perspective from somebody who gets to, to be around these guys, even just through Zoom calls uh, on a daily basis. So thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you asking. It's been fun to talk about them and they're doing big things down here.